Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. When people come up to you and they say, Casey, I'm thinking about being a YouTuber. If the word Mr. Beast is anywhere in their answer, <laughs> my response is don't. I love New York City. When people hate New York City, I get it. I watched the guy take a s*** on my skateboard right up here. It's like, yeah, dude, isn't it? It's New York. I love it. I never had like real money until I sold my company. How much you make off of that? Right around $36 million. I spent most most of that money on Prime though, which like, you know, <laughs> the superintendent at the building next to my office. I go out there and there's like this dude beating the shit out of me. Yeah. So I go over and I jump in. The guy who like has his face half covered and he's like, yo, you're Casey. You know, like, <laughs> so. I noticed was something, you're talking a lot today. You are yapping. Yeah, so he's talking to you. No, no, oh, yeah, no, 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 no. The guy always said people, people <laughs> have mentioned that since the beginning of this podcast, and I, my thoughts on it always was, well, what am I supposed to do on a talk show? Yo, get the f- out of the way, Ore. Are you crazy? <laughs> what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? Someone check that camera. How do we even know if it's still rolling? I cannot. Mike's yapping. Or he's throwing the cameras across the room. I cannot believe you've called into concern my my talking. On a podcast, it's honestly unbelievable. (laughs) It's honestly unbelievable. No, just the last podcast with Sophia Franklin. Oh, yeah. Great. Juicy. juicy. She's going to have some hurdles to overcome, to say the least. What do you mean? I think she's going to have some trouble finding a, a mate. Well, me and Sophie, we just have this like. Well, we're I'm just talking about you. I'm not talking about you. This is what I'm saying. I wasn't even talking about Mikey. He goes, well, you know me. Well, the math ain't me math. You were talking to me, then you switched topics, and then all of a sudden I was nah, supposed to keep up and know I, that you weren't anymore. You talking. were just doing this, and 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 somehow you always end up making it about you. Oh, now you're a commenter. Now you're one of the people from the comments. What'd you name the show, Logan Paul? Impulsive. I'm down to change your name. I'm down to change your name. And Mike Siv. No, what? No, how about just something? No, that way you you sit in this seat and I can just sit there and do nothing. Well, that's what you do anyways, just from that seat. <laughs> like, what? what? Welcome back <laughs> to this episode. Just shit show called Impulsive, the number one podcast in the world. Thank you guys for listening, watching, viewing, and subscribing. Back with another episode. Hit that subscribe button. Our guest got here today on an electric skateboard. And I know that because he just walked in with it. Looking as cool as ever. Style by himself. Electric skateboard still doing. I don't know how you don't even have a helmet. Did I time this this well? Yes, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, literally insane. Yeah, it was yes. perfect time. Yes, dude, some blue collar ass jeans on. You even got. What's up with the belt? For safety, Mike. This is the first time in your new place, man. Yeah, Casey. yeah. Welcome to my my new place. How you doing, bro? <laughs> Mike will never be able to afford this place. How are you, man? Good to see you, bro. Are are you comfortable with us just rolling into it? Yeah, are you kidding me? Or do you want a small talk after? We could have started in the elevator, and I would have been good with it. Okay, cool. Are we sure, are we sure beyond a reasonable doubt that the the sound on this episode today with Casey Neistat (laughs) is actually good? I want to caution the audience and everyone in this fucking room that we have shot an episode with Casey Nice that before. We didn't film it underwater, but when it came out, the sound <laughs> I remember, was underwater. I remember. 
Like the mic didn't work and you had to use the audio from one of the cameras or something? Correct. Oh, that's... I'm going to do a... Do mis- not, I, don't, I don't remember anything. It, I know that. Well, everybody on YouTube was pissed because they were like, you, you finally do an episode with this YouTube fucking heavyweight. Yeah. You know how Mr. Rogers changes his outfit when he goes into... Yeah, wait. Let me, what did you just do? Because they, they look similar. Those so these are like the new camera glasses, the Ray-Ban ones. Oh, cool. They're kind of good. Like they did a... Can I have headphones? Yeah. Yeah, we yeah we have we have headphones for you. How, how dare we? I especially after Mike said it's gonna sound good. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So push the button on the right, right here, and it'll just like it's, it's on the top. It's on the side. Yeah, you feel no, no, on the top. You'll feel it. It's like a little. Got it. Did it go like bing? Yep, and there's yep. like a white light right here. No white light. No. Did no it make light. a noise? No. Yeah, I just heard the click. Should oh, I, I turned it off. I turned it off. Okay, take them off. <laughs> <laughs> this is gonna use up our full hour. It's yeah. horrible. <laughs> How are these just not the Snapchat glasses that came out five years ago? Because uh, they're made by Ray Ban. I don't know. I don't fucking work for them. I oh, just I like the, the idea because they look like my glasses, and they record video that's like just barely good enough to use in collaboration with Meta, right? Are these the do you Meta? Work, do you work for Mark Zuckerberg? No, that sounded like a. But, are you being paid to say this, Mike? Yes. Then yes, in collaboration with Meta. <laughs> the only reason I said it really was because you should be the lead promoter of this product. I'm sorry. The, the sunglasses are talking to me, and they're making all sorts of noises, Uh-oh. And, and they're loud what somehow. Like how? Well, how is it getting into my head? You know what I'm talking they about. They have like the speakers here, and I have to say that part's pretty... Guys, we are like precious time together, and we're spending it talking about this shit. What's well, a cool product. But Mike, we have, cool? Mike, we have so many things to talk okay, about. Okay, you right recently now. fell through the earth into the middle of into hell from New York City through a sidewalk. We saw a video of you kicking in a sidewalk. You well, first off, besides the vandalization, <laughs> you, you you saw the entire New York City pipe system. Okay, so what these gentlemen are talking about is I was walking down Broadway on the east side of the street. I felt a slight indentation, like a mushiness in the concrete, yeah. which is not how the sidewalk's supposed to feel, and I click record on my phone and push my toe, and the, the street collapsed beneath me. Really interesting stuff, guys, but <laughs> as someone who spent my life making movies and videos and lives or dies by the views and how many people choose to watch my stuff, the fact that now at age 42, six billion video views into my career, the most watched video I've ever made (laughs) is a shitty cell phone clip with no cuts of a hole in the ground that did 100 million views in five days on TikTok. Yeah, 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 I'll take what I can get. What what if you had fallen in or anyone? I don't, you know, so I was like, um, I don't know, I was way somewhere with like my family and I saw a video clip of like something similar in a different part of the city and I was like, ah, if I was in the city, I'd go there and like make a whole video about that. So I was walking down the street with my buddy Hunter, and I felt it, and I knew exactly what it was. I was like, I, I positively, there's a thing called hollow sidewalks. You know, you I was going to say, you talk about like a New York City sinkhole? A, a hollow it's, sidewalk means it's a sidewalk, and there's nothing beneath it. There's no earth beneath it. Wow. And like hollow sidewalks, there's always like warning, don't back your fucking garbage truck onto the sidewalk, or it'll collapse. And it was a hollow sidewalk, and I felt that, and I was like, ah. Uh. But what I didn't know is when I pushed the phone through it, it was like a... 30 foot drop in the whole system. And then that one clip, it was like so accidentally perfect. And I turned it around and I was like, I like showed it to my buddy. I was like, this is going to pop off. (laughs) He posted it online. Do you regret not taking a step, falling through, suing New York City, making a buck? You know, there were a couple cops standing right there and they said that to me. 
I was like, officers, <laughs> I was like, officers, I don't know if you're the ones I should be telling. There's a hole over there. Someone's going to die. And they're like, you know, if you got hurt, that's a pretty check from the yeah. city. And I was like, thanks for the hot tip, guys. Um, that's not how I want to make my, you know. Yeah. I hope to get there. You know, I want to get that Logan Paul prime money someday. Yeah. But I'd like to do it by coming out in my own sports drink, not falling through the hole in the side of We, we appreciate your support on prime, by the way. It, it, it was Halloween. We saw your Halloween costume. It was the prime inflatable. You know, I... I was just, I did a video with uh, Mr. Beast a week ago where we ran up to the top of the Empire State Building. And he and I were shooting the shit before that about how the first time you ever talked about Prime was with me and Jimmy. And Jimmy said with like a little bit of like sadness in his voice, he's like, yeah, you really like Prime, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> because like, look, I like Feastables. I think it's good chocolate, but like I, I'm an adult. I don't eat candy. But like, I genuinely like your more than I like Gatorade. Yes. And I'm not saying that because I'm friends with you. I just think it's a genuinely like better product. It doesn't, it's not so heavy. It's not, I like it better. Thanks, man. And I drink it all the time and I don't have any equity from you, but like, seriously, I'm fucking working my ass off over here, Logan. And you're like, you could have your people. Just, just, just give me a little taste. Just let me dip my beak, Logan. Get in line, buddy. Um, Get in line. But I just like, it's I genuinely like the product, but there's nothing I can even mention. Like when it show, cause it, you guys send me a case a week or whatever. So it's always on my desk and it shows up in my videos and I get lit up in the comments, like sponsored, sell out, <laughs> fucking ad. And like kids. Nah, we didn't pay him shit. <laughs> and he's talking about his shoulders. I'm the it. sucker. I'm the sucker here. I owe you a bag or something. Well, I, you I, sent me a free Halloween costume. Don't think I don't appreciate that. I really appreciate that. Saves you that. some time. Thanks, I go man. to my kid's school and every 12-year-old there is like, whoa, Prime Bottle. <laughs> That's what we were going for. We, it worked. It, it, it worked. We did it. We, dude, no, but really, I, I, I appreciate you. Uh, I think creators need to support creators. You know? And I'm psyched on it. It's genuinely a good product. Like I, this, is the, this is what I say to everybody who talks to me about it. It's like, I think what's genius about it is it's not... It's not Logan and JJ's prime. It's not like famous YouTuber beverage. Like if you guys were to fall off the face of the earth, if I was never to be to heard of you guys and I look in the store, like the logo, the label stands out. I read what's on it. I'm like, hmm, this is interesting. I'm not convinced it's good for you despite what Logan says, but I'm pretty sure it's better for you than Gatorade. And I drink it and I'm like, this is a good product. I'm able to like it regardless of you. Like I like the t-shirts that I buy from my favorite YouTubers, but the minute I don't like them or they get canceled or it's not cool to like them, I stop wearing it. It's a good note for any creator trying to make a product. Yeah, I think so. I think this is like probably the smartest creator-led business I've ever seen in the history of creator universe. Wow. I think it has more clout than Logan and KSI. It's insane. It, out, right it outgrew us. How old yeah. are your kids? Uh, five and eight. And like the fact that my eight-year-old lives and dies by prime it's absurd. I don't, she I don't doesn't know, know how, who you are. I don't know how the demo got that young. I don't I'm not know how kidding. they got that young. I was, I was, we were like, I, I was on FaceTime with you two days ago, and I was like, Francine, say hi to Logan. He's the one who sends us the Prime. And she's like, hey, doesn't give a shit. <laughs> yeah, she didn't give but a fuck. But when she about sees me. a Prime bottle, she's like, yo! <laughs> That's crazy. So you did something right. Something. How yeah. you did that? You, you just developed a, a product or what? Raised money for the, um, the uh, uh, webcam, the high def webcam? Oh yeah, yeah, I'm an investor in that. Opal, they make a good product. But that's oh, you not, oh, you didn't invest? Oh, you didn't make it? No, it's like, I do a lot of angel investing. Okay. Um, especially since selling my tech company. And it, it comes from a place of like, 
when I was raising capital for my company, it was like one of two people. It was like, people are like, this guy's got a really good idea. I want to invest in him, which was like no one. <laughs> or it was everyone, which was like, I believe in you. Oh, okay. And that's, that's sort of my doctrine when it comes to investing. Like I either believe in the person or I believe in the product. So like Opal, which is a fantastic, it's the best webcam ever. Um, like the product they sent to me, I was like, oh shit, finally, why didn't anybody else do this? Uh. And then I met the founders and I was like, this is a great team. Uh. But Opal is like one of, you know, probably 30 companies that I've taken a, a small position in that I hope to see succeed. Have any of them taken off? Angel investing is tricky. Yeah, I mean, I've had, I've had a, a couple of, I've had two wins that have put me in the black for every check I've ever written. Whoa. Which is crazy. Whoa, One was cool. your sale. No, no, I didn't put, oh, oh, just I mean, that's a different, my, my own company, yeah, but I had agency there. Like yeah. that company was going to succeed or die because of me. And angel investing, I think is different. Like the angel part comes from the fact that you just kind of like write a check and then say a prayer. <laughs> Um, to the angels. <laughs> that yeah. you'll see your money again. Yeah, yeah. Um, and 28 out of 30 times, I have not. Yeah, yeah. Yet. Yet. And it's young. Like, I only, I never had money until I, like, real money until I sold my company, which was 2017, I think. For 30 million? 25, right? 25 mil? It's public. Case. I mean, Just guys, who's keeping track? CNN. You. How much did, how much you make off of that? So the... Equity sale was, you know, I wasn't allowed to say this for like four years because of an NDA. Oh, really? The equity sale was 25 million. So what was announced to the public was that it was 25 million. That's what they paid for the company itself. But then we had like a fat comp package and like all this other shit. So it was like the total sale was like right around 36 million, nice. which was great, which was great. Um, like a really happy outcome, like the greatest day oh, in any a lot i did really well oh, i did really cool. well oh, um cool. yeah uh, i spent most of that money on prime though which like you know <laughs> so it was three bucks a bottle yeah, dude. yeah yeah um no it was a really really good outcome and it was like an exciting it's such an interesting time and such an exciting time but when i look back at that it's like one of a couple decisions like deciding it'd be a good idea to have a kid at age 16 moving to new york city at age 19 with a 10th grade education and 800 dollars and then deciding to start a technology company, um, having never written a line of code in my life. Those are the three times when I look back at my life and it's like, I can't empathize with where my fucking head was when I made those. <laughs> like, honestly, like in what universe did I think those were all good ideas? Yeah. In every one of them, like not only was it a great idea, but it defined like who I am as a person. Wild. Especially, it's wild how those leaps pay off sometimes. Sometimes, two out of 30 times. <laughs> Yes. Just, just be patient. Be patient, right. though, and keep throwing your money in angel investors. I think so. Yeah. I mean, I've pulled back because I'm so scared now. But it, it writing checks feels good when you're able to like look someone in the eye and say, "Not only do I believe in you, but like here's how much I believe in you." Hey, you. You might want to go to the next WWE event. Well, good news, SeatGeek is going to hook you up. They're today's sponsor. With over 28 million downloads, SeatGeek is the number one rated ticketing app. There are more than 70,000 events every single day on SeatGeek, including concerts, sports, festivals, and more. WWE events have been cracking lately. Don't miss the action. They put all the tickets across the web in one place to make sure you're getting a good deal. Each ticket is graded to make sure you get a good deal. Look for the green dots. Green means good. Red means bad. Every ticket is backed by their buyer guarantee. And SeatGeek is the only site that lets you return your tickets ahead of the event with 
swaps. You know I came through for you guys. Use my code Logan for $20 off tickets at SeatGeek. That is $20 off your first purchase with promo code Logan. Make sure you click the link in the description to download the app. Shout out SeatGeek. Back to the show. My professor. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. At MIT was the first investor in my tech company. And I remember it being like, I just finished this book. It's called Hatching Twitter. It was about how Twitter was made. And I read it and I was like, like these guys are smart, but they're not like, they're like, normal smart i'm like i can think like they think i was mm. like i can do this and i went and i was like i've got this idea and i told to him and he said to me and this is what i say to every founder before they raise him i'm like he said is this a like a, a project or is this a business and i was like fuck that's a scary question mm. and i was like it's a business with, <laughs> with fake confidence <laughs> and he was like okay you need money and i was like yes i do <laughs> and he was like okay, i want to be your first investor you can put me down for a hundred thousand dollars no conditions and like the minute that human being who believed in me said that, I was like, I will die, but I will not fail. Mm. Like I will not. And that was like, and the idea that I can like have some part of that for people that I believe in is a big part of the reason why I do it. Mm. You know, it's scary though. It's so scary. I, I haven't written a check in a while. My kids are like, school's expensive. New York's expensive. Is that why you're making videos here and there for the ad rev to pay for school and invest in technology cameras? No, I make videos because most of the greatest I greatest ever to do it. Ah, uh, stop, C bro! Come on, dude. Come on. Let's not, dude. You're you. When you think of YouTube OG, who do you think of? Logan. Yeah, you, Casey. Oh, you're on the Mount Rushmore. Took Rush you a while to get there. No, I, I, you thought I was me. talking to you. Sorry. Um, <laughs> no, like I, I, I still do get like great brand opportunities that I say yes to, and I say yes to them because I, I think it's flattering. Like, I, I'd love to get to a place, although I don't have anything that I have the passion about that you have for Prime. And I say that, and like the passion that Jimmy has for Feastables. Like, I had it for my tech company, where it's like, no, what matters to me now is promoting this thing that's mine. Mm -hmm. I don't really have that right now. And have that you, kind of feels good. Have you tried Blue Chew? No. Hmm. Are you pitching something to me right now? No, it's just something I'm right? passionate about, but it's, it's fine. So, so how often are you uh, making videos? I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> Casey, I'm sorry. You're just <laughs> nervous, dude. Uh, <laughs> uh, how, how often are you making videos? <laughs> as often as like it's it's. I'm at a I'm at a I'm at a super weird place right now where like, I think if I could do anything I wanted, all I would do is hang around in my studio and like build new shelves, like screw shelves into the wall. Yeah. Nothing makes me happier than that. Like yeah. do doodling, would you call that, or like or like like physical power tools, cutting three quarter inch plywood. AC fur against the grain. What's like a category that you would put all that Carpentry, stuff? Carpentry, manual labor. Oh, got it. <laughs> Mike, I moved back to New York City September of last year. I was going to ask yeah, you yeah. this. Why did you do that? Oh, we talked about you, it. You I made the big, the big leap to LA. And oh. I was, we were all, everyone was so curious. We're like, how is New York City Casey Neistat going to survive in LA? He didn't. He died. <laughs> I fucking hate LA. And I say that with an asterisk, which is that people who love LA, my brother Van loves LA. My little brother Dean, lo you love LA. I totally understand why people love LA. I love New York City. When people hate New York City, I get it. Like, dude, it smells like garbage. Mm. It's noisy. Mm. 
It's weird. It's scary. It's concrete. It smells like garbage. It always smells like a. I'm like, or piss, or piss, sinkholes. or piss. Like, One yeah, I watched the guy take a shit on my skateboard right up here. It's like, yeah, dude, isn't it? It's New York. I love it. We have that in LA too, by the you way. We do have that in LA. But I, LA did not work for me at all. Can at you all. talk about any of the re reasons? I remember I can there talk was. about all the reasons. There was some stuff that you were. I mean, the things that I like to talk about because it makes sense to people are like, the crime thing is very different in LA than it is in New York. Very different. It's very different. Yeah. New York is fucked up. There's crime here. It's insane. But there's this weird kind of camaraderie, which is that like me and the 8 million people that live here, we're all against crime. And then you have like a zillion cops, which like New York cops are like fucking hardcore, don't give a shit kind of dudes. Like we're all in this together. Let's fight crime. And in LA, I felt like it was that that equation was very different. I felt like I was kind of on my own. Or like, like when a homeless guy on my run tried to stab me and the cops were like, there's not much we can do. Sorry. Yeah. I'm like, we're what do I do now? <laughs> I've got short shorts on and no shirt. And he had a knife. Yeah. And they're like, ah, he doesn't have a place to sleep. You know, I'm like, <laughs> what does this mean for me? Like, what is society? I was, I was driving my car at 2 a.m. My, my Range Rover, one of the two things that I bought since it's I made a, great, a couple bucks. It was, it, I love it. Nice well, I'll tell you why, Casey. I loved it in the past tense. <laughs> I saw I was, yeah, yeah, I was driving at 2 a.m. and someone drove through the front end of my vehicle going at a high rate of speed and the front end of my car was gone so where there was usually a hood there was just front wheels then anything past that was just a sandwich so i'm driving this car and i, I pull over on the side of the road and i get out to go responsibly get the uh culprit's license plate info and their insurance info the side of their car is completely demolished and of course they speed off so I so I, I I call LAPD. Hey, what's up? Real simple situation here. I just got you know absolutely smashed into. I'm on the side of the road. Not sure about injuries. My car's fucked up. Hit and run. Witnesses here, ready to give their side of the story. Ooh, <laughs> we don't really go out to those type of things. They didn't even show up. No. What? <laughs> Do you hear they what I just said? A, show a hit and run maniac <laughs> just plowed through my $140,000 car. I may Demolished. be injured. Demolished. And there's witnesses here scared on the side of the road. Okay, so we're gonna, what we're going to do is we're going to give you a link to a website, okay? <laughs> and you're going to file this kind of like digital police report. <laughs> and at some point, we're pretty sure someone will get to it. Like, dude, <laughs> cops were driving by and like waving. Like, I'm not kidding about that. Okay, like, so like, whoa. that's the stuff, what? that's the stuff about LA that like, that didn't make sense to me. And just as a caveat to that, like in New York City, this was like a month after I moved back. Like the superintendent at the building next to my my office, I go out there and there's like this dude beating the shit out of him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, New York. Yeah. So I go over and I jump in. Right. To beat the shit out of him. Also <laughs> on the friend. Let's get a few licks. In. No, and I get the guy off him. And the guy, I'm like, you know, I'm swearing at the guy. It's like things got a little violent. And the, the guy who like has his face half covered and he's like, you know, scream back and he's like, yo, you're Casey. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I love your videos, man. Yeah, that, that's not the story. So the guy takes off in the super. I was like, dude, what was that about? And he was like, he was graffitiing up my windows. I told him to stop and he jumped me. And then like, and then like one second later, NYPD like screeches, like J slides ooh, on. Ooh. And they're like, what's going on? And we're like, he went that way. They like jump in the car. They chase the guy. They don't catch the guy. They take down the information. Three weeks later, the NYPD shows back up. And they're like, is this him? And we're like, yeah, that's him. They're like, we got him. Whoa. NYPD's fucked up. You know what I mean? Like the, the criminal justice reform is needed here, just like it is everywhere. And I'm not, cops got problems here too. But there is this vibe that, that you've got support when you need it.
LA is not. I, I have I have another story that I haven't been cleared to talk about publicly, but I, I'll tell you about it offline. But very similar situation, far worse situation where I also wasn't able to get help. And it's 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 shitty, but it's also like for both cities and even more so like just from from a macro standpoint, kind of em, emblematic of how many issues we have at home right now yeah. in the in the United States. Big time. And also like New York has like you know, Rikers is fucked. Like the criminal, so like fucked. The, the prison industrial complex here is fucked. So it's like, it's hard to rah-rah saying everything's great with, with law enforcement here because it's it's got deep-rooted issues. But you asked me why I didn't like LA and I said, this is like the stuff that I like to point to because people get excited and you have to have this comment. But this is not the reason why it didn't work out for us. I think the reason why it didn't work out for us is like my wife and I are just addicted to the energy that is like, Mm. living in a city like this. Yeah. And it's not for everybody. I get it. It's not for most people. But, you know, it's like my kids, I have two little girls and our home, their favorite grocery store, their favorite restaurant, their school, their ballet school, their swim class, their gymnastics class, all their best friends, all of these things are within a five-year-old on a scooter ride from our front door. That's great. You know what that's like? Their dad's office, their mom's office. Like for a kid to have their whole world and I'm an adult, but like, like if I forget something in my office, I'm like, I'll be right back. And like before my wife's out of the shower, I'll have skateboarded to my office and back. Like to live in this whole, it's like this playground surrounded so, by rivers. But on the contrary, here we go. I, I was just thinking like, I wouldn't want to raise a kid in LA. I also don't think I'd want to raise a kid in New York, maybe because of that proximity. I don't know how real life that is that's it's crazy it's a really cool blessing but um what about a yard what if they want to go camping, uh, yeah hiking? and the what other the there's woods? another fucked up thing which is like if you ever met city kids like people who grew up in new york city they can't really function anywhere else in the world <laughs> you know what yeah, i mean yeah, like yeah, yeah. i had a friend that i grew up with like i met him here when i was like 19 and we you know now he's he's my age and it's like i remember when we were like in our 30s and he's like i'm going down to virginia to visit some friends you think i should cut my hair and i'm like why would you cut your hair and he's like i don't know I'm just nervous, man. I'm nervous about leaving the city. I'm nervous about what goes on out there. I'm like, what are you talking about? Um, so yeah, and and you're right. Like there's there's benefits to it and there's real downsides to it. And like the other upsides, like when we sit on the subway and I got my little girls with me, there'll be a dude to the right and he's on his way downtown to go work at McDonald's for minimum wage. There'll be a girl to the left. And she's like, she's like a, a, she's like a hedge fund manager. She's like a multi-billionaire. Diversity. Kind of. And we're all sitting together in the subway because it's the only way to get downtown. Dude. In LA, like you're in your G-Wagon. Don't look left. Don't look right at those encampments. <laughs> Go through the gate. Shuts behind you. You get the thumbs up from your security. And then you can get out of your car. Dude, just avoid. So, it's so, so like there's a, there's a homogeny here. There's a socioeconomic diversity, a racial diversity, like an ethnic diversity. There's yeah. that richness, I think, comes with tremendous. Uh, tremendous benefit, especially, totally, well, especially totally. for especially for kids. Like it's like it's like in LA, you pay for that to be removed from the situation, right? Yeah. Like and and for certain people, that's what they want. They want to hide behind those gates. They want that privacy and that security. Listen, New York City is the greatest city on the planet. It is it is a special Represent. special special fucking place that is that is rich not only in people but in culture in history. It is it is the dopest place. I would be happy as fuck to move back to the East Coast. I I will do it eventually because the only thing that keeps me in Los Angeles is the climate. 
Yeah. It is. It although it sometimes is Groundhog Day. That shit makes you soft, man. It's it it, dude. It is Groundhog shit. Day. I wake up every. Imagine you wake up. You know this. You wake up every single day of the year. January, August, perfect. September, and it is the exact same day every single perfect. day of the year. The sun's in the same spot. You left it the day before and you looked out at noon. The <laughs> sky looks the exact same blue color. The palm tree's got the same green as the day before. The same bird flies by. It's like you wake up and you do the same. It's so hard to create any kind of evolution in that state because it's not changing like the weather. Nothing I, I, changes. I run across the Brooklyn Bridge seven days a week. Like at five in the morning. Every day I run across the Brooklyn Bridge. Yeah. How I start my run. I love it. And the game that I play is, the Brooklyn Bridge is one of the biggest tourist attractions in New York City. It's the most visited tourist attraction in New York City, among the most visited. Oh, shit. My goal is to make it from one end of the bridge to the other without seeing another human being. That's the game I play. This morning I probably saw eight or 900 other human beings. <laughs> oh my God. But last year, two times, I made it across without seeing another human being. One of those days was during the bomb cyclone when oh, it was yeah. 30 below out and you, weren't, you couldn't go outside without getting frostbite on your skin. And at five in the morning when it was 30 below out and I ran across that bridge, I was the only person out. Cool. The other time was in January when we had a crazy, crazy sleet storm. It was like 25 degrees. So everything, all the rain would hit the ground, freeze immediately. <laughs> the city was covered in ice. Torrential freezing rain. That bridge was mine. You know what so, this reminds me LA of? LA makes you soft, but like New York. <laughs> Hardens you. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you're for definitely sure. like, remember that couple on the news? And the news reporter's like, what do you like about jogging in the snow? <laughs> That's like, one oh, of the best clips ever. The snow's so crunchy. The weather's just... It's perfect on your feet. Perfect running weather. Boom! <laughs> just smash. That's one of the best clips It happens ever. a lot. The bridge I, is wood, so it freezes at 40 degrees. There's so just... sliding uh, down it. There's just so much stuff to do here. To, not to, I, Lots to let's, do. Let's make sure it doesn't turn into a New York City appreciation episode, although that would be fun. I mean, dude... I went to a <laughs> jazz club in an underground basement like two nights ago with a girl. Like, imagine taking a girl, you know, imagine taking a girl to a jam, a jazz session, dude, and just sitting there and it looks the same way it did in the 1950s. Like, it's just, it's such a special, dude, rich place, I, get, I like dude. the women here. Like, I met my wife here. Yeah. The, women, the girls here, like, they don't wear makeup. They don't yeah. give a shit they're about smart, you. Fast, they're fucking yeah. busy. They didn't move to New York City to meet a guy. Right. They moved here because they're on a mission. What mission was your wife on? From South Africa, The right? same mission that like every person who's here, like you come here with a dream, with an idea, with something you want to reach out for and go for. Like the, the thing about New York is nobody ends up here. It's not like, well, I wasn't sure what to do. So I decided to move to New York and spend $4,000 on that's a 250 L square foot apartment <laughs> and suffer every day. <laughs> you can move to LA yeah. and wait tables four days a week and have a comfortable <clears throat> apartment with a roommate. You can't, it's survival yeah. here. Yeah. Nobody comes here because it's easy. Like you have to fight to be here. And that, that like social Darwinism. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Wipes out 99% of the population. And you're left with this psychotic 1% <gasps> yeah. of doers. 
that just are they have a purpose and don't mind the stench of piss they don't mind piss <laughs> and that's what i look for in a woman someone a who can tolerate <laughs> the scent of piss on a hot summer well that's day. how you know they're trained to take off a child's diapers now we're day. talking mike <laughs> so you happy you're back yeah i'm never leaving no I'm way i'm gonna die that's, in the city wow i'm never leaving. Yeah, i'm gonna Love die that. in the city <laughs> you know, the only caveat i would say is like and this is a big caveat i'm gonna say somebody in the comments is gonna say like I moved here, I had no money. Like I lived in an SRO, which is like a room, no kitchen, no bathroom. I just, it was a halfway house. I bribed the guy at the front, like this Hispanic guy behind a bulletproof glass. He was like, no occupancy, no occupancy. And I came back with a, a carton of Camel cigarettes because I saw it's what he was smoking at the time. This is in 2001. And tucked in it was a $100 bill. And I was like, any occupancy? And he looks at me and he's like, come back tomorrow, come back tomorrow. And I see him take out a clipboard and just erase someone's name. <laughs> and then said, put your name there. And he was like, first of every month, 450 bucks. And I lived in a room with no bathroom and no, no kitchen. Wow. It was a halfway house. It was filled up with undocumented immigrants and then people who'd just gotten out of jail. And it was scary. Okay, You're wild. Stuff. You're wild. But like, that's how I started. But I have money now. And living in this city with money is very different from living here without money. Obviously, it makes it very easy to like it. I live in a safe neighborhood. I do have a comfortable apartment. Um, you're like, what about your kids in a yard? Like we spend a third of our year in Massachusetts. Like that's, I have a Massachusetts driver's license. Oh, what? Um, yeah. You have a house there? Yeah. And like, that's oh. a, that's it. Before that we had a little house in Connecticut oh, where my cool. parents lived and like, you know, we don't go all, we go there in the summertime. We don't go all the time, but just having that optionality. What if you die in Massachusetts? It's going to be disappointing. <laughs> my wife has instructions about where to haul my dead carcass. <laughs> You know, back to New York, and yeah. then just don't tell him, don't tell Logan that, that don't, I died. Don't, in don't. <laughs> you know what I mean? The romance of that just yeah. doesn't hit the same. Fair, Boston? Uh, no, no, no. Like on on the coast. Mm. Mm. Didn't want to go back to Connecticut. So I was in Connecticut forever, and then like I realized the reason why I was like my hometown. I bought a house there the first time I could afford it. It was two hundred and sixty thousand dollars. I sold it like eight years later for $230,000. Yeah. That's indicative of Southeastern Connecticut. But I moved there because I wanted to be with my grandmother who was like my hero in life. And then she died. And it was like, I'm going back and forth. My son who was in school there went to college. And it was like, what am I doing here? I feel like my connection there had faded. It got weird. So <laughs> yeah, I sold the house. It got weird because like once I started to have like YouTube fame, having this little house in this little town, people just started showing it, it yeah. got weird. Yeah, it's strange. But mostly it was my connection died. And then we didn't have a place to go. And then as the kids grew up, Candace and I were just like, if we move back to the city, it'd be nice to have a place to go to. And that's when we got a place in Massachusetts. What's on your hand? What's on your hand, bro? This one? Yeah, is that a phone number? No, it's the address to where we're sitting right now. Oh my God, that's it wild. is. Look, when you're going 30 miles an hour on a skateboard up, up 6th Avenue during rush hour, you don't want to have to pull out the phone. I'm, I'm not look. I'm not surprised you're still riding the skateboard, but you're definitely still riding the skateboard. I want you to know, I ride it like an old man now. I mean, I okay. should wear a helmet, and there's nothing cool about wearing it without a helmet. Um, funny side story: there's a Lululemon campaign that I'm in right now. It's me, Wayne Gretzky, and DK Metcalf. Okay. How I got that booking, I'll never know. But thank you, Lululemon. It's an honor, and. Uh, to film it, they just wanted me going by the camera on my skateboard. And I show up and they have a helmet for me. And I'm like, guys. Guys. I'm like, me on my skateboard is Casey on a skate. I was like, me with a helmet on is just some 40-year-old loser on a skate. I was like, I can't wear the helmet. So they papered up this contract that basically like in, I personally indemnified like the 
Oh, yeah. yeah, 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 that makes sense. And like we went slow. It was, I wasn't gonna fall, but that's the, I've been, that was like the one time I was truly terrified. Do your kids wear helmets when they scoot to their friend's yeah, house? Yeah. So then when they say, Daddy, you don't wear a helmet, what do you say? Daddy's a moron. Do <laughs> as I do, not as I say. <laughs> I do say? have a helmet. Of course, but you don't uh, wear it. No. Like, like an asshole. But I, I ride slow now. Like I look back at those YouTube videos where I'm like flying through traffic Zip and now it. I'm like, <laughs> Wait, know. do you know what's tough about? Sin with him is like, where do we go, right? Where do we go first? You just brought up YouTube. What do you think about the state of YouTube as a platform right now? I think it's a, I think it's, there's a really positive take on it and there's a really negative take on it. And I think both things can be true at the same time. The really positive take is I think, and this is the negative take as well, new, YouTube has no shape right now. If you remember back when you were doing your thing, when I was doing my thing years ago, YouTube even had its like creators they put up on billboards yeah. and they had like, this is what YouTube is about. It's yeah. these kinds of creators represent us as a platform and this is who kids aspire to be like. And I think YouTube necessarily gave that up. Like these guys are causing too much fucking trouble. We can't align ourselves with them. Mm. We have to be like Google. We don't pick favorites. This is just mm. a place where people post videos. And it was a little bit of a bummer. Like the support for creators pulled back a little bit, but I think from a business perspective, it was necessary. So. Because of that, as a result of that, YouTube is more fragmented than it's ever been. Like, what is it? I have no idea. Mm. So I think that's kind of negative. I liked it when YouTube represented something and it doesn't now, it's fragmented. But what's beautiful about that is I see creators that have 100,000 subscribers, some less, with a dedicated audience about really, really esoteric subject matter. Yep. And I love that. I made a video with these guys out of the UK and what they do, their channel's big, but they have a channel where they only talk about retro video gaming devices. <laughs> How the that. fuck is there enough content yeah. for you to fill a channel about retro video gaming devices? Their channel's huge, their audience is devoted. Cool. They've written a coffee table book. Like, and I love that. I, I think, think that's, that's a, the, I think that's the coolest thing. My, my server at Lavo last night, we had the server all night and he was, he was the, the nicest guy, uh, his name was Sean. And at the end of the night, we got into like a deep conversation with him. And he and I was like, so what do you what do you like to do outside of serving? He's like, well, oddly enough, like you, he's like, I'm, I'm a YouTuber. And, I, and, you know, more <laughs> yeah, and more people say that nowadays. You know, What's your content? He goes, I'm actually the best pinball player in the world. The best pinball player in the world. He's like, like I win every competition. You get a selfie if, with him or? I, would I wanted, I wanted, I wanted to. Stuff. I know his name. I, I messaged John Schwartz and, and said, yo, I'm I'm really a big fan of Sean. And I was asking him, you know, what's your favorite? He said, there has been and never will be a pinball game as popular as the Adams family. Pinball That's a game. great pinball game. That's what he said. Great he said it's game. he said it's the biggest thing that he said. Second was Twilight Zone, which I liked. I also Rod a great Surly, pinball. yes. He I knew can his close shit. my eyes and picture that game. I can picture the layout. But it's but it's but it's funny because we very much here on this show and 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 you know at this in this type of creation space uh commit ourselves to trying to create content that is applicable to the masses right we want it's a mistake, as it's a mistake. artistically creatively it is a mistake as a business I agree. I agree it is a it is a story of success and i and i the only i came from a, obviously from a very different world i was smoking crack, not watching Casey Neistat, right, when I came in. So the only model I had for success was my best friend. I just looked at what he did, and I said, okay, this is how you do. But now when I look around the landscape, especially, 
you know, on YouTube and I see these niche channels where, by the way, they're able to drive a tremendous amount of sales volume off 100 or 200,000 subscribers because the people are so passionately involved with everything they put out. And I will say I am extremely envious of that. Like if I could put out a Twilight Zone only a Twilight Zone only podcast and every episode we just see, that's why. You see what he does? You know, my favorite. He wouldn't he he maybe he maybe he doesn't like it. He made me think that type of stuff was uncool. My no, favorite it's not, it's not. my it's favorite just... YouTuber <laughs> is this guy who's probably 50 years old. He's British, and he takes like these really narrow subject matter from World War II. Okay. And makes an eight to ten minute mini doc about it where he just uses sourced footage, like free unlicensed footage. Like different battles? He goes way more specific. They'll talk about like the kind of bullet used in a kind of gun at that battle. Cool. Hundreds of videos. They're evergreen. I like mm. he's the only thing I watch. You open up my feed and it's just his content. It's like something Felton, Mark Felton Productions. Got it. And he has like his terrible intro and he's like, do, 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 Mark Felton Productions. <laughs> <laughs> that shit's fascinating. It's way better than what's on the history channel. How many views do those videos get? Okay, some have a hundred thousand. Some have like fifteen million. Yeah. Whoa. Because like, if you need to know about what Hitler's yeah. bunker was like the last week before he died, this one video is the best video at that. Well, I that's watch those al- also the thing. Even with these niche channels, like the retro gaming console channels, I'm sure they have every one in yep. ten yep, yep, that yep. goes Pops. fucking yeah. nuts. Because these these sub- the subject matter is interesting. And, and some of them are kind of universal. I'm curious about Hitler and his bunker. It's a that's, great video. That, that's wild. And then it's over and you're like, oh, I want to loan. What's it called? Play. The Eagles? Ne- oh, no. That was his house in Austria. Yeah, I mean, if you want to talk the World War II history, Berlin. I can go all day. Yeah, the bunker was in Berlin. I'm a big World War II guy. Oh, me too. Massive. Yeah, I mean, we can go for days. Operation Market Garden. Gigantic. Biggest failure, failure of the war. US, yeah, for the U.S. And British. It was Montgomery led that, so it was a British... Hill, Hill, he's yeah. already, Hill wants to leave right now. No, no, no. I'm listening. I'm listening. I can talk and talk about Winston Churchill. Churchill? He just throws one. <laughs> That's like his one thing. Churchill was great. Listen, Churchill. when people come up to you and they say, Casey, I'm thinking about being a YouTuber. What advice could you give me, a young up-and-coming creator, if I wanted to do what you've done for so many years? Casey, what advice do you give me? I hate that question. I hate it. My response is always, why? <laughs> no, like, let's it's a, it's, if, you, it's a great if you asked me that question, yeah. then like, let me, like, that's a big question. You're a, asking yeah. me to do work right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why? And if their answer is anything other than like, I you love know, I, there's nothing I love more than yeah. making videos, or like, I grew up here and nobody knows about X. You know, like, there's some genuine passion, whether it's artistic or or sharing a perspective. Anything other than that, if it's like. If the word Mr. Beast is anywhere in their answer, <laughs> my response is don't. Yeah. Or Prime or yeah, any of that. Yeah, yeah. Because so, like that's, so, that can't be the mission. I, I, get, I got asked this the other day in the airport. I get, I get asked this question sometimes, and it is difficult because like I, I too want to stress how difficult it can be if you don't love it. I, this kid came up to me, you know, what, what advice can you give me? I said, he's like, I, I, I want to I make videos. I'm an up-and-coming guy. I said, okay, how many videos have you made? He goes, well, none, none yet. I'm thinking about starting. I said, all right, kid, you're, what, 19, 20? Give yourself 10 years. Give yourself 10 years at this craft, making videos, posting them online, getting made fun of for at least five of those years. Easy and then five. maybe at the end of 10, maybe you'll have a little bit of success. Consistency for me is my general advice for these people, but you are right. It needs to come from a place of like, kind of, this is what I love. It's yeah. just how I'm wired. Patience is the other thing I say because it's, it's a little bit of a fuck you answer. 
Nobody wants to hear that. No, no. Like, what's it's, the it's one ho- piece? Horrible. Casey, what's the one horrible. piece of advice? I, like, I don't have time. I don't want to stop my skateboard. I just want to roll yeah. past you yeah. and give an answer. <laughs> it's always like patience. Yeah. Do you have 10 years to commit to this? And they look at you like you've three heads. Yeah. You're like, yo, I thought Mr. Beast said, and it's like, nah. It's like, that dude's going. been making videos since Mr. he was Beast nine. Mr. Beast to say Logan Paul's name for 24 hours. That, I, not, I like Jimmy is my favorite example. He's like, no one's done what he's done. And you look at his first videos and it's like, what resources did he have? A shitty webcam. Yeah. And he sat there and watched it's every day, bro, for 12 straight yeah. hours. He deserves whatever success yeah. he wants in life. Way yeah. more, way more than that. 12 much. hours of it's every day, bro. <laughs> God bless that man. My, my, my God advice. Bless God bless that man. My advice to them is always to, uh, to just befriend a popular YouTuber. And just like become yeah, yeah. And then it's like yeah, pick it, one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, tell him you should start a podcast. You know what I mean? Get the chair right next to him. So, what are you guys doing in New York? It's uh, you guys running the marathon on Sunday, or you, you are. are so crazy. You brought that up. <laughs> we were going there. I just want, I think people care about your takes on on YouTube as a platform. I was going to ask you about streaming and about X as well, but you want to do marathon now? Are you going to beat Jeff Wittick? I'll beat Jeff. Yeah, I think so. But really? that's not. That's not my competition. <laughs> my competition, the beauty of running, whether you're like a, you know, like a, a, a fat girl who's just like, this is her life's mission, mm-hmm. or you're like a skinny kid, like whatever it is, you're always competing with yourself. Because like, you know, like a guy did, broke the world record. He ran Chicago in like two hours and 40. Insane. Almost four, sub two hours. Yeah. It was right there. I can't run. I'm a faster. I can't run one mile at the pace he ran 26.2 miles at. I will never compete with him. So what am I doing it for? Like you are only competing with yourself. And that's true in this race. And like this marathon more than any other marathon or any race I've done four Ironmans. I used to race on a pro team for triathlons. I've done 24 marathons. I've done seven in New York, six, this will be my seventh. This is the first race I can remember that I'm like genuinely nervous about. How come? Okay, so my right leg's made out of metal. It's all titanium from a motorcycle accident. And I was 26 when that happened. The doctor said, you'll never run again. And that, I've run 20, 24 marathons since that happened and like done all those races since that happened. But in the hospital, I set myself a goal, like an impossible goal, which was to break three hours in a marathon. That means you're running 26.2 miles at a six minute and 50 second oh my pace. And like a lot of people have done it. Like if you're a fast runner, you're like, yeah, yeah, I'm a 240 runner. But for like the average runner, that is, for me, that's like, you know, it's, it's like dunking on a 10 foot hoop. Like it's- That's insane. It's the insane like, Do you know the mile per hour pace that would be? Yeah, six. Yeah, six, 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 six minutes and 50 seconds. How fast is that though in miles per hour? Oh, in miles per hour? Shit, I don't know, what is that? Nine miles an hour? Yeah, it's, it's gotta, fast. It's fast. But like think in high school where you had to run an eight minute mile or whatever. Yeah, it's hard. Like to break no, seven minutes insane. is like, ugh. That's insane. It's insane. And- I've run a 301. <laughs> I've run, I think, six races, six marathons where I've broken 305. I've run 12 where I've broken 310. And I don't, I don't think I have a sub three in me this year. Um, and when people are like, dude, you have to visu- stop saying that. You have to visualize. It's like, no, motherfucker. <laughs> Shut up. Like, this is not mind over matter. Like, I've done this. This isn't my first rodeo. Like to say to someone, a marathon is mind over matter. It's like your Range Rover runs out of gas 10 miles from your house. And it's like, no, nah, Mike, 
Like if you can visualize it driving <laughs> home, it's like, no, dude, there's no fucking gas in the engine. Wait, why? Why? It's why, not going Because what he's doing right now is called New Yorking. We don't do like this whole I'm area just, doesn't do this shit. There's not like, bro, that was one of the hardest things I had to, to deal with when I got to LA was they were like, no, like spiritually, you just, like, you, just you sit and like breathe it out. It, <laughs> breathe it out. It's not how it works. Why? <laughs> Why not? Because there's something cruel about 26.2 miles. The first marathon ever, like the history of the marathon, it was like the Romans did it and somebody ran 26 miles and then died. Oh, like, you died? There's a, yeah, yeah. This is a few thousand years ago, but yes. Damn. There's something cruel about it. And I've done it enough to know either your car is capable of that speed or it's not. And this is the reason why I'm nervous. This is the hardest I remember ever training in my life. I mean, this is as close as I think I've ever been. Mm. But I still don't think, like, if I'm able to do it, I'll do it by one second. But I think a good race will be 310, meaning that, like, the margins are not in my favor. And they would be in my favor. So like my longest run, practice run is like uh, every week I do 22 miles. And I do 22 miles at like right around a seven minute pace. Wait, wait every day? Uh, every, every Monday. Yeah, once a week. You do 22 miles every Monday. Yeah. Oh I do 70 miles a week, God. but every Monday I do 22. Talk about stopping. shitty Monday. God. I, I love it. But yeah. it's 22 miles. And I do that like a 7.15 pace. Seven minute, 15 seconds. As in 25 seconds slower than I need to be for the marathon. For the whole 26. For the whole 26. Now, if I was doing those 22 miles at a 6.30 pace, I would sit here and say, I'm very confident. You understand? If I said, my car has a 50-gallon tank in it, I would be very confident it's going to make it all the way across the desert. But my car doesn't have that tank. It has a smaller tank whatever, a seven minute and 15 second, meaning that like, I understand how the math works and what a body's capable of. I want to push back. Yeah, let's hear it. On one thing you said, with running, you're competing against yourself. Yes, sir. Is there any strategy in potentially getting someone who can run that pace or trying to keep up with them and push yourself as if it is a competition? Okay, so here are the hedges that I'm making this year. No distractions. Because if I don't do my goal, like I'll be happy. My fastest in New York is 303. And if I can break that, that would be a dream. That means I'm PRing, personal record in New York City. That's a dream, 303. Anything under 310 or 315 is a win. Three hours is like, you know, that's the impossible. That's the reach beyond my grasp kind of thing. But here's what I'm doing to cut the, you know, like to cut the margins down. So like, I'm not saying hi or smiling at anyone that says my name smart, this year. Smart. Because think about it. If you go like this 500 times in three hours, how many calories have you burned? You do that? Yeah, like every year. Everybody's like, go Casey. And I'm like, thanks. Oh. Hey, guys. Like, yeah, it's fun, so this man. Year, fuck them Head people. down. Yeah. Head down. Another thing. This, my buddy told me to do this. He's like, carry a water bottle. I'm like, that's stupid. And he's like, no, think about how much time you waste. Going to the, like the table, picking up a little paper. Cup nah, hell no, sip. hell no. That one I'm pushing back on because you make it, you use it by carrying the fucking water bottle. Mike, you're out there with sixty thousand runners. You're imagine the imagine the garden emptying out twice in a row. Yeah. That amount of people, and there's a fucking table here and a table here. <laughs> how, how often and you take sips of water? You should every mile. Okay, but I skip okay. it. No. Because I'm not willing to deal with the mosh pit. And then mile 18 comes along, I'm dehydrated, and I crash. Brother, you need to have someone at each mile who, who got a bottle who can just hand it to you. It's not it. really allowed. <laughs> you're, but you're allowed to run with a water bottle? Yeah, yeah. I feel like running with a water bottle will slow you down. 
Look, so just if you just stop fucking interrupting me, I can continue. <laughs> okay, the other thing, and this is like the biggest hedge. Like this is as close to cheating as you could cheat. I have an Olympic marathon coach, a guy who has the circle tattoos because he was in the Olympics. He's also a coach for the New York Roadrunners yeah. in the group that puts on this race. He's like a lead coach. The number one race he coaches for is the New York City Marathon. He's running next to me I told, yes, and me alone for 26 yes. months. And he's like, if there's a wind, I'm going to step in front of you and block the wind. Ah. <laughs> he's like, you don't look around. You look at my feet. He's like, you listen to my feet and you fall asleep. You do exactly what I do and I'll get you across that finish. I'm like, you got to coach. <laughs> can you but, draft? Can you? Yeah, you can draft. Oh, the marathon. Really? You can wow. draft. Do, but is there an actual like physical sensation of drafting yeah, as there yeah, is in cycling yeah, yeah. oh so but i mean a 26.2 mile the, the, draft might it's help. a it's a big deal but there's yeah. also like it, you only need it if there's a headwind and then there's like there's you know there's you got to be polite about it if you're running 25 miles and you give somebody a flat tire at mile 24 <laughs> you know what i mean you yeah. can wreck someone's day yeah so you got to keep enough distance so there's no way you're going to touch them or bother them so Ooh. it's like there there's etiquette you know, there's etiquette to running and drafting. Would you would you be completely against the idea of okay? So you know your vehicle, which is Casey Neistat, is the external body that you've been given by God. Yeah, it's or, like a 1996 Toyota Land Cruiser. Okay, okay. With like fat tires, what if I inch tire. yeah. What if I told you through physiological advancements in science, you could. For a short period of time, trade that car in for a newer body. My right leg is made out of metal. Understood. I am fully upgraded. I think that might help you. Un understood. The metal? Yeah. It's lighter than bone. Yeah. It's got to be, right? I have, I have a femoral uh, titanium as Me well. Me too. Yeah. My brother. From a ski accident. Yeah, motorcycle. I got the hip too. It's just a needle yeah. right in your ass once a morning for like a little period of time that makes you feel kind of like Superman. But like I looked it up, I tried to do what Lance did, and it's like you got to like take out blood and then put it back in. That's not true at all. What did he do? Are you telling Casey to blood dope? Oh, is that, oh, I don't even know what that means. Oh, maybe there's a thing. Why you don't get tested? Can you just? Can you just? I will take any drugs on the okay. planet. Yeah, okay. like I'll blow a line, I'll fucking snort an eight ball at the starting line if it'll get me across the finish line in two fifty nine. The trouble is like none of that. I did Iron Man's like the greatest drug in this, by the way, it was a, considered a, a performance enhancing drug until yep. the mid eighties, yep. caffeine straight up. Oh yeah. So I have a whole caffeine doping regiment where it's like cup of black coffee, this many hours, then this much before. And then like the little running gels, which like the guy that's running with me, Roberto, my coach, he's like gel. Gel. So I have to carry like this little thing in like a belt. What, normally I take what, three. What are, what are they? So it's a hundred calories, and then it's like anywhere from thirty to a hundred whatever milligrams of caffeine and Whoa. then sugar. So it's cool. just an energy blast. Cool. And I normally only take two or three. This year I'm taking eight. Because it's another be, thing where he's like hyped up. Yeah, but it's a pain in the ass eating their growth. It's like a lot, but when you're at mile twenty two, you're all out of you've just burned three thousand calories. Like you're you got no energy. So by taking eight of these, the idea is I'll have a reserve. Normally, I don't do that. These are all like the little things that I'm hoping might give me an advantage to get close to that 303 PR of mine. I was talking about like a test Scipionate. 
Like a what? Testosterone sepinate. Like what a, is that second part of that? Sepinate? It's a kind of testosterone injection. Test, but doesn't test it just it. make no, you... No, no. Not if it's a micro dose that you can... I like that you've held it for that long. <laughs> no, not if, it's, not if it's a micro dose, which will simply add uh, energy, increase in libido, mental clarity, so on and so forth, but without any garnered mass. Change. Is there a drug you can take that decreases libido? Are you really out of the control like that? Oh my God, my poor wife. You would think at my age. Yeah, well, how is that possible? How is that, yeah. Is it just how? <laughs> well, it's, no, I mean, it's genetic. I had my blood tested once. That's crazy. I have the testosterone and I quote of a 19-year-old athlete. What Do you know it? what the number was number? by chance? No. It was like it was 780 or 680 that's, that's, that's or high. something. That's, that's high. high. What if somebody told you, yo, if you go to 900, you can push past three? Then I need to start taking drugs. But if the race is in three days, how quick does this shit kick in? Oh, shit. You have a needle on you right now? You can stick that right into my eyeball. My videographer, David, who's your biggest fan of the world, It was a joke. It It was a joke. He does. He could get you the needle. There's there's a rule, (laughs) and it says nothing new on race day. Well, yeah, of course. So thank you for offering to shoot me up with whatever. This is going to be so Dr. Mike, whatever performance enhancing ideas you had, I appreciate it. I'm but just I'll trying to get you across the line uh, faster, About like dude. Jeff, Jeff Wittick. Like yeah. this is why like comparing yourself to other people is just not, it's, it's not applicable in, a, in something like a marathon because like uh, he's never run 26.2 no. before. Oh, he hasn't? Uh-uh. And dude, him getting across that finish line is the victory of a lifetime. For sure. Like Cody, Cody Coe's running yep. as well. Cody's a beast. And I don't, I think Cody's, he's going to put out a serious time, but like his time is his time. Cody Coe is a runner. Oh yeah. Dude, Cody Coe is Big a, time. he's an endurance athlete. He's an Ironman this summer. That. Yeah. Not only that, he comes from a family of athletes. Whoa. His parents are also crazy athletes. Whoa. But like Cody, he's going to put out a hell of a time, whatever his time is, that's his time. And that's like, he will come in first place. Like Jeff will come in first place. And like what I'm worried about is coming in third place <laughs> because I really want to beat my time, right. you know? And that's the thing. I think that's like the romance. That's the beauty of running. So like I'm always telling my friends, if you're interested, get into it because you can get really passionate about this stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm a decent runner. I'm disgusted by how far you run. I've always, I've, I see your uh, tweets and posts on social media of how far you ran today and the mile and the pace and I, I'm an athlete and this shit's crazy to me. So why why do you run? Like what's what do you find out of running this far for this many days in a row that excites you? Uh I for I think 2023 this year I'll do 3000 miles of running. But it's I um so like 250 a, 250 a month is what I average. For me it's like first of all I live with three women. If you count our new puppy, four women wow. in the house. So you're yeah. running from them. <laughs> And then, now I get it. like you don't, you don't even have to say anything. <laughs> say no more. <laughs> like you, there's something valuable. I'm also addicted to my cell phone, like a junkie. Yeah. I have no self control. Yeah, Social media, like I, I, the only time that I can really get a reprieve from that is if I'm really in the throes of making something. So this idea that like I'm running, and while I'm running, I'm just in my own head. Like if I want to think of stuff, mm. I play music. Mm. If I want to like learn stuff, I listen to a podcast or a book on tape. And like when you get to a place physically where like if I'm doing a 730 pace, I can run almost forever. I can run for two, three hours and without noticing it. 
Like my body's completely shut off. You're just in cruise control. Like when you click the button in your Range Rover, it does that thing where it keeps the distance over the car and keeps yeah, you in the. It's just like you're just kind of like making sure you don't crash into anything. And I'm just listening to my book and I'll just go forever. You're automated. And it is the most peaceful, <coughs> zen like meditation ever. And you, you physiologically become addicted to the endorphins. Because mm. like if you don't run, you go run, you're just going to be in pain. Mm. I don't have any pain when I run. So my body's like pumping out. I don't know how the body works, but this is how I imagine it. <laughs> fictional. My body's like pumping out all these drugs that are like happiness, happiness, pleasure everywhere. So I just go and I'm just like completely asleep. I'll run from my house up to Central Park. I'll go to Harlem. Run that sounds to Brooklyn. so nice, Casey. I, I, it's a for, dream. For viewers listening, I, I don't know how normal that is. No, is it, it, no. It, do, do you get it from cycling as well? Not only cycling. But it doesn't, it doesn't matter. I'm just saying like pe people dread exercise and working out. And like, again, I am an athlete. I can't say I feel that ever when I'm running. When I'm running, I'm working. I'm working, dude. And I like overcoming the hurdle right. of the fact that this you is break hard. Through, yeah. This is hard, and I'm fucking doing it. They don't make them like me. I'm built different. No, nah, bro, I'm running four miles. There's, like, this, <laughs> there's this thing my, my buddy Hunter found. It was like this study of rats. And like what they would do is they like put all these rats in like this wheel and they would judge how much they'd use the wheel. And then they gave all the rats a whole shitload of cocaine and they'd see how much the rats ate cocaine. I'm fucking butchering the story, but it's a real study. But there was a subgroup and it was like 3% of the rats would take the cocaine until they died. And if they removed the cocaine, they would go into the running wheel and they would run on the wheel until they physically died. And those rats had some molecule that was off in their yeah, head yeah. that made them have this wildly addictive propensity towards addiction. Mm. And I'm very grateful, like never been really attracted to drugs, never been a drinker my, in my life. Like I'm just, I don't know the last time I had a drink was, I'm not a drinker, but like something like running, it is like, like this week I'm, I'm on a taper. So I'm not really running this week. I didn't run this morning. I'm miserable the whole week. I'm like stressed out You're and angry. Now. Yeah, like I had, you know what I had? I had like two sandwiches for lunch. That's gross. I normally eat so clean, but like I didn't run this morning. It's like, oh, the, today's an L anyways. Tapers, tapers, tapering sucks. It sucks. Tapering. I hate it. Do you know how many addicts run? Do you know how many yeah. people that are yeah. in recovery run? Really? Oh my God, because of what you described. Yeah. It's, it's, it hits a very similar point. When I got clean in 2010, I took up cycling. I can't run because my legs are equally fucked. My ankles are really bad, arth you know, arthritic. And, uh, I get the same feeling that you get from running when I hit a certain point in my ride. It's yeah, you, it, yeah. it, I, I, I liken it to when my body becomes, because the start of the ride may be a bit painful. I might get a little sweaty. Yeah, my ass might it. hurt. Then all of a sudden you hit this almost autopilot where you're, you're, I always tell people that the cranks are spinning and my mind finally stops spinning. And I just, and that's right. the only time when up here, I'm completely at peace is when my body is working so hard to spin those cranks and that's what my body's focused on. I can find some uh, uh, refuge up here. And the reason why you don't get there is because it, it starts at a certain point. If you run for, I, I don't know if you do feel like that as soon as you start for the day or does it take you a second to get into the group? I mean, I, I remember when I first started running as an adult, like it would always be like, as long as I can get to 20 minutes or 40 minutes, then I'll get to like, yeah. And now it's like, no. No, it's like an, like immediate. You're like Deepak Chopra of running, basically. Yeah. Like I can do like a, a 7.30 pace and my heart rate will be like 80 beats per minute. Were you in Nantucket that year when yeah, Deepak yeah. Chopra was there meditating? Probably. What's your resting heart rate? 
Low 40s, high 30s. Solid. Yeah. Very Chill. solid. How do you track it? Um, like my Garmin watch. Okay. I mean, okay. if I'm doing a serious thing, I'll put on a chest strap. But okay. um, I don't. Like, I don't run for heart rate or anything like that. Mm -hmm. I just do, like, I do it by feel. Mm. It's crazy, man. I, it's going to be interesting to see uh, you do it and then this podcast come out. Because I think this comes out after. So we'll mm -hmm. see if you're right about sub three. I think you could do it. Oh, that makes one of us. That I makes one of us. Because because three ten is what I'm pegging. No, I'll be happy with three ten. No, it's all mindset. Says the man. Who <laughs> never... But I did. Not only did I watch your fight, I paid the fifty bucks for your fight. I'm sorry. You have no reason to apologize. I'll give you, I'll give you twenty five back. But I would appreciate the twenty five back because <laughs> what the fuck? But it was funny because I was just watching. I was with my buddy Jordan, and we're like in my office. And I'm like texting my wife, being like, "Buried with work, be home soon, click." Like we're watching <laughs> the fight, and I was like, "I was like, I just need twenty seconds." Logan beating the shit out of him so he can slow it down to slow motion and flood the internet with it. Yeah. And then it happened, and I was like, yeah, "Got it, going, <laughs> going that's, home." That's, that's just that boom, boom, and I was like, "Come on, breakthrough, breakthrough," Sick. and then went straight through. Yeah. I was like, "Fuck yeah!" Got him. Just wanted to see that guy beat up so bad. Yeah, I think a lot of people did. Were you paying attention to all the lead up on X? Because I asked you about YouTube. I want to ask you about X. Because yeah, I see I, you on X sometimes. X breaks my heart. Um, Twitter was my favorite social media platform. Mm. And I'm a huge Elon fan. I'm not an Elon hater. Um, I think he's changed the world. I think there's very few people in the history of humanity like that have done what he's done. I think he is on the level of a Tesla um, or an Edison. Like It's incredible what that man has done. But I don't get X. I mean, I understand the anger and the frustration that's wanting to say fuck you to the world and write a check for $40 billion just so you can release those internal documents to say, see, you guys were censoring people for political reasons. Like that kind of pettiness, I respect. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's fucking yeah, funny. That's, I, that's hysterical. <laughs> but in the, you know, in the, in the, like the, the fallout of that is like my favorite social media, which was, I was like, Twitter was hanging on by a fucking thread. Like it was right on the precipice of being unusable, but they always ha hung in there. It always just worked. And I feel like since he's taken over, like I, it doesn't work anymore. It's so bad. It doesn't work. Like my favorite thing, this is such a, like this is a this is an isolated use case for someone who has a lot of followers. Like the, the three of us, we have a lot of followers. What the verified tab was, is this a way of just being like, is someone out there who I know who they are, and it's not always famous people, sometimes it's a journalist that has 500 followers, but at least you know who they say they are. You click on that tab, and it was a different way of interacting with people than the big one, which was like fans or strangers, you might want to, and it just gave you some structure to what is otherwise a big, liquid, gelatinous mess. That's gone. Mm -hmm. So now you click on it, and it's just a hodgepodge. I have no idea who I'm communicating it with. And then like, Something like, you know, the conflict in the Middle East happens. Like, I'm a big Jew, and I speak out for my, my against anti-Semitism. And I think I do it, like, pretty impartially. I'm, I'm not saying anything negative about the Palestinian people that are suffering. They have my support, too. Mm -hmm. But just because I'm Jewish and I put out a word out there to support my Jewish brethren who are suffering, I can't open Twitter anymore. Wild. Everything's destroyed. Wild, like, yeah. they've unleashed the bots on me. And it's the same with Instagram, but Instagram, like, I feel like there's somebody behind the wheel and they gave me some tools and I pump up those tools and hey, Instagram works again. It's perfect. Mm. And on X, it is like, like, I can't even open it anymore. It feels like a war zone. I what is your, what does your feed look like? It's just nonsense. It's like 30% yeah. crypto bots yep. that I block 
20 of every time I open the app. Yeah. It's 50% uh, terrorism bots that are threatening my life and my family. And then it's like a half a percent of people that I wish I could just interact with that are like interested and want to mm -hmm. talk about running. And what I feel like, I, I used to feel like I had a pipeline to those people and I loved it. I love when someone would ask me some silly question about running or cameras or like, you know, I'm going to talk to this stranger today. Yeah. That made me feel so good. It feels like all that stuff's gone. Like, when I, gone. like when I sign on now, it's just school fights, shootings, and, and just this like, I think, I think what they have elevated algorithmically there based on Elon's strange twisted viewpoint of what should be elevated by well guised under the, the viewpoint that f free speech, free speech, it's all free speech. You know what I'm saying? But it's really an elevation of just really disgusting material. I mean, I mean, especially with this recent conflict, like there's a dude, I can't, I can't think of his name and nor do I want to even mention him. That is, that has taken up a pro, a very pro Palestinian without seeing both sides, because sure. I think it's important that, that both of sides course. are represented and mentioned, but he's taken up a very pro Palestinian viewpoint. And he is the leader on X above Elon, above everyone right now in terms of impressions. Number one in the world. I, I wow. once again, don't want to say his name, but he'll post a thing like, uh, I, I, I commented on yes on it yesterday. Children are dying. This situation, oh, this situation needs our attention. Subscribe to my premium. Whoa. And it's him with a cigar like this saying, fuck at Israel. Wow. Subscribe to my premium. And I tweeted, this conflict has become your OnlyFans. Like you, you right. write children are dying. Subscribe to my premium. Those two in the same sentence is a wild combination so it's like how do, how do you solve for that i don't know and clearly neither does elon but i feel like in the old twitter as bad as it was as imperfect as it was it, there were enough checks and balances to sort of temper that and i do think that like like threads is in its infancy and like people are like threads is dead they're like do you know who mark zuckerberg is to see this guy ever lose like no he will continue to beat that drum until that thing works so like, I do have faith that in the future there'll be a tool that was once as useful as Twitter. I hope. I wish somebody besides Facebook was making it. I wish it was a third party thing. But I do think that like, there's a clear opportunity in the market. Like I have that desire. Communicating with my followers, with strangers, and like YouTube's made tools to do that, but it always felt strange to have it all siloed into one place. Community notes. Or yeah, but having that on Twitter. Remember Twitter back in the day? I would get into conversations with people who had three followers from the other side of the world. It was like a really special feeling. That, yeah. It was a special thing. And like, that's just gone. Do you think Elon's doing too much? I mean, I don't know. I would have thought he was doing too much when he's like, I've got a car company. I also want to make rockets. I'm like, dude, pick one. But he did both of those really well. Yeah. So I, you know, I don't know. I don't know. And it's like, I'm, I'm in no position to, to critique someone like him. He's a, you know, he's, he's a, a different kind of yeah, human for many breed. of us. He's and I think breed. it's, how does he have the energy? That's the biggest thing, as, especially as I get older, I've been drinking more caffeine. Like en energy is finite and, and I don't have as much as I used to. And it goes away the older I get. Uh, Jeff Bezos, billionaire, makes sense to me. You like do it and you're like, fuck it. Like I'm gonna get jacked. <laughs> I'm gonna get like a hot new girlfriend yeah. with big boobs and I'm gonna get a whole bunch of yachts. Yeah. Peace. <laughs> like it's like, oh, okay, Th that, that seems, makes sense. Yeah, yeah. It makes sense. Someone like Elon, who's like richest man on the planet, I'm going to live in like a trailer park next to my <laughs> and, rocket And I'm going to try to save the world. Yeah, and let I'm... me keep taking on more responsibility. Why? It's like, 
like the first inkling of financial security that I experienced, I immediately stopped doing everything, moved to California, <laughs> did nothing but play house with my daughters and go surfing for three years until I got bored of it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm, I, I'm no interest in being a hero. Like you get one life and like I appreciate ambition, but I will never understand that kind of ambition. Maybe it's because he's in a position where he knows, like you said, he is the modern day Edison. He is the modern day Tesla. He can do amazing things that will keep his name significant for a very long time. But I'm, I'm on the same boat, man. Like you got one life, en enjoy it. Don't I don't I don't know how much wait energy you, I have to wait till you have kids, uh, and it's like no, no. I meant that as a positive. No, <laughs> I know, but that? I just think I think my priorities will shift even more. Yeah, like, yeah. It's, it'll be less like oh, I want to be remembered to like. I just want to be loved by the people who love me and who I love. I just I was have at a, a happy life. I was at a football game with your mom a couple of weeks ago. That sounds that sounds awesome. I was at a football game Yo, with your mom a couple of weeks ago. Yo, what the fuck you say to me? Now? <laughs> Where's my phone? I want to show the picture of <laughs> me with your mom at a football What's game. Football game with your mom. Fuck the case. I was at a football game with your with your mom. No, I don't believe you. I don't believe you. No, and I was like, she go to no football game. And I'm just like with her. Pam, this joke's only funny if I can pull up the picture. I do, I do believe him. This joke's only what football game? I can validate. Was Jake there too? Do these cameras? He says no. That'll be probably. Do these cameras have Zoom? Motherfucker. Nah, nah, nah. No, that's not. That's not my mom. Is it? It's Pam. All right. All right, that's what? <laughs> Explain yourself. <laughs> no, it's not a Jets game. She was there with your brother. But it was nice to see her, though. Yeah. It's always nice to talk to her. But when you have a kid, it's like this shift happens. Like there's this quote that somebody smart said, which is like, you have two lives and your second life begins the minute you realize your first life is over. And the quote's probably better than that, but it's something like that. <laughs> and I think like that, that shift for most sane humans is when they have a child. Because it's like you live your whole life right now for Logan. And I know you love your fiance. I know you love your mom and your brother and your friends. Um, mm. But <laughs> all of a sudden you have this tiny thing yeah. that will die if you don't give it food <laughs> and clothing yeah. and shelter and attention and all these things. And you give it that and then it like grows. And then you get to talk to it. <laughs> and then it's like, daddy, chocolate milk. You give it that chocolate milk smiles and you're like, oh, yeah, that's what I'm here for. Yeah. And like, for me, that was like a nuclear bomb that just nuked my professional ambition. Like, I still want to do great things in my life, but like there's, everything is a distant second mm -hmm. to wanting to like raise these kids. Very well said. Yeah. I can feel that it's, already. It's a, I don't even have a kid. It's a wonderful thing. It's yeah. a wonderful thing. And I think like, you know, I also had a kid when I was 16 years old and it was like, it, it was the dichotomy between having kid then and having kids now, like. I had nothing when I had him. And it was like, no, I have to do all this stuff in this world for this kid. Mm. And now I have all this stuff. And it's like, I need to do all this stuff for these kids. And what this stuff is has changed so dramatically that the intent is exactly the same. Mm. It's a beautiful, wonderful thing. Yeah, yeah, for like sure. Like I am the biggest proponent, not in like some fucked up pro-life conservative Bible way, but as far as like a human being who loves life, Having children is like a absolutely wonderful thing. If you are one of the privileged few who gets to experience parenthood, it is an amazing thing. I'm ready. Are you? I'm trying to pop out a run. Yeah. 
Really? How old are you? Yeah, 28. How old is she? She's 30? 31. I, you know, my wife's three years older than me, I think. Maybe she's four years older or something. Like yeah, that. yeah. Yeah, I think that's about when we did it. Yeah, it's, I'm, it's, it's good. A, I'm at it's a good, a good age. age. I'm stable as fuck. Uh, we're engaged. You also find focus. Like, other. you find focus in your career when you have a kid. Basically, like, all the noise goes away. She's like, fuck, I don't care about that. Yeah. I went from having a thousand friends to having like four. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> all the noise is just like, yeah. get out of my life. This is my purpose, my focus. Did you ever talk about the Dobrik documentary publicly? Is that something that... Yeah, I mean, we can talk about it. Um, I never, it's never been released publicly. That's, that's why I wanted to talk about it. Because you showed me and Jimmy. Yeah, I showed it to you guys. You saw the, like, what was the final cut? Yeah, in South Africa. It's a great movie, heavy movie. Wild, 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 wild documentary. The story of the documentary is I started making a movie about David, who was, you know, one of my dearest friends, um, about just his rise, which was unlike anything I'd ever experienced. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, this article came out about some like really terrible things that happened on the set of one of his videos, things that he didn't do, but one of his co-stars did, one of the guys, Dirty Dom, real scumbag, was in his videos. Um, you know, he assaulted this young girl in one of his videos and this story came out and just really torpedoed his career. Uh, necessarily, this is a horrible thing that happened and it shined light on really the negative sides of, of what his career had been up until then. And I was there and I didn't know that that was coming. So I captured all of that. And it was really seeing like the collapse of a career in real time, and that's what the movie was about, was about sort of how he dealt with that, about how that story came to light, what it meant to the people involved, how it affected their lives. Um, and it was a really like, I think a really monumental piece of documentary filmmaking. And we premiered it at the South by Southwest Film Festival, mm -hmm. um, very well reviewed, like even by super skeptical reviewers like Variety and LA Times. And a lot of them would be like, I didn't want to watch a movie made by a YouTuber, like I don't give a shit, but it turns out this is a very, like there were a lot of reviews that said it was impartial, which was all that I was going mm. for. I didn't want people to think I was rah-rahing him. And mm. I didn't want people to think that I was shitting on him. You know, I'm not in it. You've seen it, you know, mm -hmm. I'm not, it's not about me. Mm -hmm. And it's a movie, it's a piece I'm really proud of. Um, and like we had some really interesting distribution opportunities that kind of like came and went and weren't dealt with well. And then like very recently, and I don't know how to say this without causing a bunch of trouble, like very, very recently, we had a very, very interested party that was a perfect place to distribute it. And it fell apart at the ninth hour because of political reasons. I believe because of political reasons that had nothing to do with me or the movie itself. But somebody involved with selling it had, was fired from his job at the last minute. It kind of put us in a compromised position. I don't know that that's why the sale didn't go through, but it's one of these things. And like, I think I use as an excuse these third party factors for why it didn't get distribution for why it's not out there. But I think the real reason is like, there's some part of me that like doesn't want to release it. Like I have a YouTube channel. With I was going to say, why not 10 million viewers? I can YouTube. put it out there. Do you think the the ball has rolled no, too far? No, I think down it's probably hill? more relevant now than ever. Really? Um, I don't, I don't know. I feel weird about it. You know, I feel weird about it because the impact it had on my relationship with David, which yeah. I wasn't naive to. Like my goal with that was just to sort of tell the truth and give him an opportunity to tell his truth, which I believe he did. But, um, you know, I, I think that there was some expectation that the movie might protect him. And instead, I think that movie was just a very honest view of what happened. And, um, you know, like he, you know, he and I haven't really spoken since then. And that was very, that's very, I knew that was going to happen, but I still didn't, I don't deal with that well. There's not many people in this world that I like love. And I really love David Dobrik. 
And I'm really conflicted about that. So all this just to say that like, I think my own sort of fucked up emotions about it um, have had a negative impact on my willingness to let that documentary be seen. I, and look, I'm not, it's not like I'm, I'm trying to protect him. I think there's a lot of truth in that movie. Um, you know, maybe there's other, also some insecurity about it, which is just that like, I think it is a very powerful movie and like, I like making fun, this is a cop out. I like making fun YouTube videos. I hate fucking dealing with conflict. In my, I'm not afraid of it. Mm. I made a video three weeks ago called Jew, J-E-W, yeah. about what it means to be a Jew. And like, you know the kind of conflict that arrives, but like, I'm, I'm not afraid of conflict. But in this particular case, it's like, it's not about me. And I feel like, like I don't know, I've stuck my head into something. Like what I always say, and this is a fucking cop out, and I'm embarrassed to be saying this, but it is the truth is like, I never signed up to make that movie. I wanted to make a fun movie yeah. about this kid I love named David Dobrik and his success. And then all this shit came up that was mm. horrifying, horrifying to me. And I felt an obligation to the world to, to tell the truth. And I think this movie did that. And then at the end of that, I too was just like, who am I to be this? Like, why do I have to be the arbiter here? Mm, interesting. Like the magnifying glass. Or yeah, does, like, it, uh, does it cover any any of the Jeff stuff? Or is it? Or is a, it a little bit. It touches on that. But again, I don't. Jeff speaks for Jeff in that. Um, in that part of the narrative. David speaks for David in that part of the narrative. Um, is there any grand revelations? Or is it just having a an eye, a real eye on it? I think... I think the what the movie is at the end of the day is it shows what happens when tremendous responsibility is bestowed on individuals that are unaccustomed to that kind of responsibility in a world that has yet figured out how to deal with that kind of responsibility. I think there are parallels there with like, if you think of what rock and roll was in the 60s that we're only learning about now, like these rock stars that are dating underage women that are wreaking all this havoc all over the world with groupies and drugs and death and suicide and all of this gnarliness <clears throat> just happened then because nobody was looking, nobody was paying attention. And I think that the YouTube world, it's now finding some, some shape and some structure. But if you remember when we were coming up, like it's like no one's looking over our shoulders. I thank God that I was 35 when I blew up on YouTube. But what were you, what were you 20, 21? Yeah. Like no one's looking over Logan's shoulder. No one, no one there to be like, hey man, this isn't how you should do things. Or let's slow down. Let's think about what we're doing That's here. why I brought Mike in. Yeah. It's no seriously. It's why I brought Mike in. I I, I needed an older brother to, who's has lived a little bit of life to be like, yo, this is not you're not this isn't the way to go, bro. You need you need help. You need to pivot immediately. And I and I think David's a product of that. It's not an excuse for the the things that happened. Ultimately, you are responsible for what happens. Mm. And I, this is an apology for him. But I do think he was he was part of that. It's like you you have this hubris. You are successful because of you. No one ever told you what to do. And despite that, or because of that, you made your own decisions. Mm. And those decisions led you to such a profound success. Why would you ever do anything but say, fuck the world, mm -hmm. I'm going to listen to me. Mm. But that is the very definition of hubris. Mm. Like that, you will crash into the wall at full speed if you do that. Mm. And there's a million stories, maybe not a million, but you and I probably sit here and come up with 12 names that that is exactly what's happened to. Mm. And I think he was one of those stories. Um, and I think because of my personal relationship and my the, just my the intis, in, it, intimacy level I have with the characters involved, it left me feeling strange. Um, and I will say, like, part of the shame I have in admitting that is that like it does reveal things for the victims, the real victims. Um, and David Dobrik's not a victim. 
at all. He's not a victim. Natalie's not a victim. Um, but there are victims in this story. Um, they don't get to have their story told mm. because of my insecurities, because of my cowardice in not wanting to put that video out. And I, I'm hyper conflicted because of that. Do you, have you spoken to them about that? The victims? Yeah. I have. And what's their take? They're, I mean, obviously, you know, like I would have never released this without having the victims full consent and understanding. Mm. And by the way, when I say victims, these are people who have never revealed their real names, people who are, you know, highly confidential, who are not interested in revealing their, their names, but are real people whose lives were dramatically affected. What, what, what are they seeking? Do, do you know, have you spoken to them about that? Sure, do they want justice, sure. accountability? Um, no, but by having their story understood, mm. they feel like they're, they're not, no longer invisible. Mm. And that's a huge deal. But their sentiment was was represented. It's not like that's it, exactly right. Do you know what I'm saying? It's not like it's not like they have a like it's not like the public sentiment is is anti their no not their at experience. all not at it's, all. It's in fact the opposite. So so does it just add even more color and granularity yeah. to got it? Yeah, and I look, that's a part of this is getting into nuance, but I think it's a part of the movie is that like I didn't do reporting. I didn't break stories in this movie. This movie is literally about a news article that I didn't write mm. that came out about this kid, this YouTuber. And I covered what happened after that story came out. I didn't write the story. I didn't create the things that happened. I was this observer, this sort of neutral observer watching it all happen in fucking horror in trying to capture that story. And that's what the movie told. The movie will come out. It will be you seen. You think so? Yeah. I'm not, I'm not keeping it from coming out. I, I, you know, my dream is to have it out there. And this is, you know, this is something I'm willing to do tomorrow. But my dream is to have it out there and to have it out there via a, a third party that's not me. Mm. Like I would love for a news channel, you know, like a, a pick one of the news outlets, have, have it on a streamer that says like something news, put the, this out. That I think would contextualize it in a way that make me feel very comfortable with it, mm. you know? Is finance the only obstacle there? No, there's no obstacle. I would give it to a well, news channel Well then how does that not, how does this dollar. clip not get picked up and that news channel doesn't call? Call me. Call my agent. Call my agent. Let's yeah. make this. Let's paper this tomorrow. What are you doing next, Casey? Besides running the marathon, but like uh, e even after that, fast forward. Like, what are you actually doing? I mean, I have like a thing. I've got a couple things. Like, without getting into it, like my favorite person in the world, who's my business, one of my favorite people in the world. I like my kids and my wife. <laughs> I like them. Um, my business partner Matt Hackett, that I built my tech company with, is just one of the greatest humans I've ever met. He is the most level-headed, focused, intelligent people who's just calming to be around. Mm. Um, he's like a human Xanax who's smarter than you and better than <laughs> you at everything you do. Amazing. I love this guy. He's been like a kind of like a CEO for hire for the last couple of years, and he's doing great things. But he's kind of, you know, he and I are flirting with ideas of starting something new. I don't know what that might be or if that'll be anything, but like I get a little excited about that. Yeah. You know, like we're slow walking it because the kids are still young. I love being home at five o'clock to hang out with them. Yep. Um, so there are some things that when I look ahead that I'm excited about. But like my dream for the next eight months is like I'm excited to finish the race on Sunday and then just get back to like being alone in my office, making little videos about stupid shit that I think of on my runs. Like that's what I want to do right now and hang out with my babies. Cool. It's a good life, man. Carpentry. It's a good life. You know what it is? It's a fucking privilege sure. to get to go home and play with your kids and not worry about rent. Totally. Totally. Of course, man. That's the that's the the daily struggle. I uh when I was training for this fight, I took it very fucking serious. We trained we trained really? very hard. Saw the fight. Yeah, I I had to. Um, you know, there's a lot of the line. And this this 
revelation I kept coming to when I was training all this shit is like, maybe this is a little harsh, but like, ah, fuck, it's just not even the right climate to say some shit like this, but this might this might get cut. Uh, man, life is war. Life life is war. Everyone yeah. has their own little respective battles every fucking day, struggling, trying to make ends meet, keep up with this, and then obviously in in the current climate, I want to be sensitive when I say something like that because you know someone can have the most um, trivial struggle in their life that to them is is a big deal. Then there's actual like war, but man, it's it is a push and a pull and a fight to survive. And so when people like you and I can be in this position and acknowledge that we are indeed privileged that we could do certain things and show up to play with your kids at 5 p.m. and not have to worry about rent like significant significant and the awareness of that I think is important because not everyone can say that and no I Logan I'll I'll give that even greater con context so you don't cut it but it's like everyone's dealing with battles and when people say it's all relative, my response to that is, fuck you, it's all relative. It's not. Because the lives we live, there are war, it's conflict. You get in fights with your wife, you're like, no, I've gotta be the bigger person, mm. I've gotta see this through, this relationship matters. Something happens and it feels existential if I don't win this fight, if I don't run this marathon, like, fuck, I said on the podcast I was gonna do this, like, I'm gonna, you have to hit the brakes. You'd be like, no, 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 it's not all relative. Because like, if you're in Gaza right now, mm-hmm. if you're in Israel right now, and your mm-hmm. children are in a tunnel somewhere. Your kids have been kidnapped. What they're dealing with is way fucking gnarlier than anything we're going to face. And you, the reason why you have to remind yourself of that is because it, it reminds you of how insignificant your conflicts are. And it lets you say, no, no, no. I love my life. I am privileged. I have nothing to complain about. And it, it reinforces your responsibility to like be good and do good in this world. Nina, my fiance was was going through all the harassment sure. torment you know and didn't make her feel good the moment the war broke out and there was like real conflict Context, and real struggle, yeah. struggles in in 30 seconds she goes literally none of my shit matters yeah the, like my problems are irrelevant to the actual horrors that are going on in this part of the world and so like we i actually stopped in you know in camp we were like we're going to war war broke out we said yo there's the levels to this shit we are not this I'm going to a fight tonight. It's like <laughs> so few people recognize that they say my conflict today is existential. This is where the world begins and ends. And, and it, you have to reach a level of maturity before you understand. Like no, it's not. Perspective is huge, and it's and also it's hard. hard. It's hard. hard. It's hard. You get fired from your job. My life's over. My life's over. Yeah. 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 You know, like you you don't pay rent. You get evicted. It's happened to me. My life's over. Mm. You know, like I, I couldn't afford diapers when mm. I had a kid. We were on welfare. Mm. You know, like I got fired from one of my two jobs. Like I couldn't pay rent. My life was over. Tough, hard, hard. But guess what? Yeah, it gets harder. And there's no shame. Harder. And there's no shame in that. No shame. You just have to no learn shame. it. It's 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 that saying it's of life. like my, my worst pain is your worst pain. Yeah, but you do have to step no, back. Yeah. And your worst pain is some people's fantasy. I know that. Yeah, you your gotta worst step back and realize that. That mom, that mom in Israel's kids have been kidnapped. She would dream of having her biggest nightmare. Yep. yep. Be that she can't afford fucking rent. Mm-hmm. What a privilege. Mm-hmm. What, and if you can remind That's yourself of crazy. that, you think to yourself, oh I have nothing to complain about in life. What a dream this is that I get to live like this. Yeah. And I try to find that every, I don't always succeed. I try to find that every single day. Yeah. Every single day. Don't know how to release your documentary? Wah! <laughs> <laughs> I need a fucking Three river. hours, 10 minutes? <laughs> yeah, three hours, 10, three hours, 30 minutes didn't make it. Cry me a fucking river. <laughs> what a, pr- these are my problems? Yeah. Yes, please. <laughs>
humble, insightful, self-aware, driven, ambitious Casey Neistat, ladies and gentlemen. Great place to end the pod. Excellent, man. Thanks for having me, gentlemen. So good to have you on, always. I'm going to skateboard home now. <laughs> Hell yeah, bro. Stay safe. safe. Hey, hey, thanks for listening, watching, viewing, subscribing. We'll see you next time. Take it easy. Peace. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.